This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Hey, it's Sam the Cooking Guy, and this August I'll be hosting the first annual Wasted Sustainable Cooking and Mixology Competition to benefit Kitchens for Good. San Diego's top chefs and mixologists will compete to see who can create the tastiest treats and drinks using food waste. Go to wastedsd.com for more info. Dennis Connor coming to you courtesy of these specialty produce podcast network. So I know you're a little tired of me talking about the America's Cup, so I thought I would change the subject into something that you might uh, hopefully find just as interesting, but a bit different. So after the uh, America's Cup was over, we were looking for something to do and hanging around the San Diego Yacht Club, I ran into Bob Cantrell, uh, who's from the Puget Sound area has a beautiful home there and has several boats, including a six-meter. He was down here with his six-meter uh, tuning up with Greg Stewart at the San Diego Yacht Club, and we were talking about life in, in general. And he said, well, why don't you just uh, take that six-meter there and come and race in the uh, six-meter worlds in uh, Vancouver, Canada? Well, I know Vancouver is a lovely place, that just one of the garden spots of the world in Vancouver Island. Uh, but I've never sailed a six-meter, and this boat was 70 years old. It looked a little rustic. I thought, well, what chance would I have? And he said, no, no, this boat is maybe seven. She's a, she's a winner. Sonny Venn used to uh, race this boat. And I knew Sonny Venn, a fine gentleman from Seattle, had a, a wonderful reputation both on and off the water. And I said, well, Sonny Venn had it. It can't be that bad. So we said, well, we'll give it a try. So I talked to uh, Peter Burton and Chuck Sinks and, Al Pluskus and Billy Trinkle into uh, going out for a ride on it. These boats are lovely. They're traditional classic yachts. Much They look uh, like a small 12-meter, 6-meter, 12-meter. 10-meter knots, uh, quite the same, but the same idea. Low freeboard, tall rig, big overlapping genoas, and they are just gorgeous out on the water. So we decided we'll give it a try. And we went out there, and this boat needed a lot of attention from a small detail standpoint. And, of course, we didn't really know what we were doing, never sailed on a six-meter before. So after 20 minutes, we came back to the dock, and we thought of some things that we could do to uh, change the rigging that um, might make her a little easier and better and faster to sail. So we uh, started with the with uh, what we, know, we do know a little bit about, and that's the mast and sails. So we uh, noticed that the boat had tremendous leeward helm, tremendous amount of leeward helm. So we moved the mast back in the partner a little bit and in the step and put a little more rake into it. Uh, we still found out later that we had three inches more to go in the partner, so the mast was quite a long way forward. So we uh, moved the shrouds and 
we we'd, uh, loosened the rigging, and the uh, sail was a little easier to bend the mast down low to take some of the fullness out of the sail, but it still needed more. So we installed a mast puller uh, rig that to pull the mast forward at the deck, much like on an Etchell's, not as sophisticated, which, but just with a block and tackle around the uh, the mast where it comes through the deck at the partner so that we could mechanically pull the mast forward and bend the sail down low. Well, I found out later maybe this wasn't such a good mood, but that's – move but that, that that's a different part of the story so we we rigged the mass puller and we got the outhaul so it would actually ease the sail when we eased the outhaul and put a vang on that was uh strong enough to to work and we changed the traveler control uh in the back so that the traveler would have more play we changed the main sheet it had a main sheet winch like a big boat and we changed it to a block and tackle rig like on a starboat or an etchel's J-105, just so uh, you pulled on the line and the main came in without a winch as long as you had enough purchase. So that was a big upgrade because around the lure and mark with a winch, you, you, it took forever to uh, pull the main in. And so you come around the mark and the main's out. You have no helm in the beginning. Uh, it, w- it wasn't a pretty picture. So we'd, we we uh, installed a bilge pump and we, we moved. The, the biggest thing we did was we moved the tiller uh, up so you could steer on deck. The old rig, you had to sit or stand in the bottom of the boat. And the tiller was um, basically virtually on the floorboards of the boat. So I've never sailed a boat like that. I'm used to sitting up on the deck like a Dragon or uh, Etchels or Looters, you know, or any, most any other boat and steering, starboat Etchels, uh, sitting on the deck as opposed to uh, standing uh, or sitting in the boat, squatting and steering to leeward. So that was a big, big change for us. We also changed the runners. Instead of having uh, two-to-one runners, we changed the line to some sort of high-grade, I don't know, Spectre or Technora. The lines are so sophisticated now, I'm not exactly sure what it was. But we uh, went to a uh, one purchase on the runner running backstay, Installed a little winch on the deck so we could pull the uh, runners up uh, tight enough to get some head stay tension when the wind came up. So we, we made a dozen uh, changes, nothing huge, but to make the boat uh, more raceable, more user-friendly, if you will. And we worked on this uh, off and on uh, every other day for a while, and we we got the boat uh, ready to go. Well, B- Bob... Uh, yeah, of course, uh, who lives up in Paulsbo, right uh, a couple of miles from the Port Madison Yacht Club, where the regatta was going to be held in in uh, Bainbridge Island. So uh, he had to get up there and get his boat ready. And he also had his protector down here in San Diego, where he was using it to to uh, augment his sailing and enjoy. He has a, has a big boat tattoo share that he was enjoying as well. So he had to get his uh, protector back up there. Uh, that's the boat that his wife, Molly, likes to sail in support of the fleet. So he uh, towed the protector up there and came back, and then uh, we put uh, the maybe seven, the boat he was going to loan us for the uh, Worlds and the pre-Worlds, Lipton Cup. He put that on a trailer, and off it went to to, uh, Seattle, to downtown Seattle, where Bob has a house right across from the Seattle Yacht Club there on the 
on the locks entering the uh, Lake Union. So th- that was all well and good, and that was that was going just fine. And then we had our first major uh, drama involved in the program, which I guess there's always some drama. But uh, ours came in the form that the boat uh, evidently had, had uh, never been measured, or if it had been measured in its seven year seventy year history, it hadn't been remeasured and it wasn't uh, kept up to date. So when the measure uh, puts his uh, instruments on the water line and uh, checks the length of the water line and the weight, as you any other meter class you have to do, and uh, puts all the information into the, uh, the uh, formula, it came out, comes out, we're like a seven meter. So <laughs> what do we do now? Oh, they say, no problem. Just uh, We'll just cut seven inches of water line off your boat. Well, how are you going to do that? Well, the, the way they did it is they got an electric planer. Can you imagine that? Into the counter of the boat, planed off. It just kept planing off the back of the boat until it got seven inches shorter on the on the water line. What a mess! So I wasn't too pleased about that. They they also told me you could cut eighteen inches off the end of your boom on your mainsail and uh, shorten your uh, spinnaker poles. Well, that didn't sound so good to me, but somehow uh, Bob uh, and uh, his team made it happen. They said they got the boat in the water, they got it measured, and uh, we got ready to sail. Then the news came, well, it's not quite a six meter yet. You still have to cut your pole down by four and a half more inches. So I know how important from uh, racing the 12s that the pole length is. The long the pole length is what determines how big a spinnaker you can fly. The longer the pole, the bigger the spinnaker. Shorter the pole, the smaller the spinnaker. So, if you have a smaller pole, you can still have that big spinnaker, but it won't it won't work as well. So I wasn't too uh, thrilled about having to cut that uh, uh, that uh, spinnaker pole down some more. As a matter of fact, when uh, Pete Burton, who got there a day or two early. Uh, to do some of the chores, he says, we can't get the old infitting off the old pole and we can't cut the pole. What should we do? So Bob stepped up. He had an R boat, a beautiful wooden R boat there with a carbon fiber pole. Sure, it costs thousands of dollars. He said, here, use this pole, cut it to the right length and uh, I'll replace it later. He just couldn't have been nicer about it and allowed us to sail. So we got the pole, cut down, Got the sails right, and uh, then the next thing that happens on these regattas is the logistics. Don't forget we're going to an island uh, 1,500 miles away that none of us have ever visited to a small yacht club. I would say it's uh, along the lines of what the Mission Bay Yacht Club was in 1950. So beautiful spot, a nice pier, some slips, but a limited facility basically uh, a large room with a couple of heads in it and a porch out in front where you could have a meeting and sit down and have a beer after the race. But it was lovely. It was just so pretty, made up for the lack of any amenities. So we get there, which wasn't easy because Peter coming from um, Australia and the rest of us, uh, Billy Trinkle, working so hard in his uh, his uh, business flying all around the world, 
world doing surveys. And uh, but we finally uh, got all on the same page. We we got up there. We got a rental car and we made our way to to the yacht club to uh, and uh, found a hotel. And every made uh, all that uh, hard work worthwhile because it was really pretty. So the uh, we get to the boat and uh, we find the sails. Peter has it all organized and. Uh, we go for a sail. Well, you know, you know, these boats don't have motors, so the first thing you have to do is figure out how to get out of the dock and get out of Hidden Cove out into the uh, Liberty Sound. And uh, so we had, fortunately, we had some uh, paddles, and the boys are not afraid to work. They put their backs into the, the paddling. We made it out there and went for a little practice sail. We weren't out there very long because our list grew like crazy. It was grew, grew, uh, uh, so large, we we better go in and start working on this list. And one of the biggest things we, you'll get a chuckle out of this. One of the biggest things we had to worry about was there's so much water pouring in the boat. We we were we were pumping all the time. Uh, I think about twenty possible uh, twenty gallons an hour. I don't know if that sounds like a lot or not, but it was a fair amount of pumping and on a pretty good size, like a two inch. Uh, hose with a good hand pump to uh, keep the water out. And uh, we didn't really know how to stop it because it was a wooden boat, hadn't been in the water for a while. Eventually it would swell up. But in the meantime, we, we, we didn't know what, we can't just take some chapstick or some silicone in there. That won't last very long. So we decided, well, we'll go to Walmart and get some Gorilla tape, that real strong black tape, like gray tape, and uh, we'll tape it over the leak to keep the water uh, from coming in. So that, that was pretty uh, successful. I would say about 70% successful and cut down on the rate of flow uh, considerably. So those are the kind of things we did after we came back in to get ready for the uh, racing the next day. So in this uh, pre-Worlds, they call it, for the uh, World Championships to be held in September – the uh, in the six meter class, there's modern six meters that have uh, they've changed the rules and allowed the uh, hulls to have keels on there that are similar to the Australia two keel with wings on the bottom and trim tabs. And then there's the old traditional six meters that looks just like an R boat or a, a ten meter or a twelve meter. No, no, twelve, 12 meter has a trim tab, but. Uh, with just a uh, rudder on the back of the keel and uh, nothing to change the the shape or the lift of the of the keel per se so in the world championships they're going to have uh, the moderns they'll probably have six or eight moderns and in the uh, classics they'll have uh, 40 or so uh, classics uh, racing the boats similar to ours so we're hoping that it won't be uh, such a dissimilarity when it comes to the worlds because the moderns are considerably faster than than the than the classics. But in this regard, we're all racing together, so we knew we were going to have our our uh, work cut out to uh, do well. We weren't suffering under any illusions of grandeur. And Bob Cantrell, our host, he has a brand new modern that was very, very fast. So that's that's kind of the uh, setup. We have have about half the fleet, the moderns, half the fleet, the classics, 
And lo and behold, we have a skipper's meeting. There's no sailing instructions. They just hand out the sa- uh, like the old days, just give you a piece of paper. We'll tell you to, uh, we're going to start uh, approximately 11 o'clock. We're going to try to have uh, three races or more today and two races tomorrow, uh, God willing, blah, blah. Well, that was about it for the sailing instructions. There's our race committee boat down there, a little dinghy, uh, like a small fish boat. And, of course, we had Bob's protector to help set the mark with Molly running it. So that part was all fine. So we get out there in, in the uh, sound, and in the Port uh, Madison uh, Sound, where the races were taking place. And first thing we noticed that, wow, there's some current here. Boy, is there current. And when we, from the time we were out yesterday till, till today, all of a sudden there's all new landscape because when the tide goes out 12 feet, Wow, it's like a different planet. So we were just concerned how we we're going to get out of this little channel here with the reefs and rocks and uh, stuff on both sides of the channel here and no wind, but we made it out there. And once we got out there, it was just like any other race. The race committee was ready to go. They set the line, check the line, and but we, we didn't really have any idea uh, which way to go. I mean... How would we know? Some of the locals said, well, the edges always seem to be the best. You can get stuck out in the middle. But we didn't really understand how can the edges be best going upwind and downwind. But maybe it has something to do with the uh, thermal, uh, a little bit of extra wind you get uh, caused by land when it heats up. The uh, air rises and it sucks wind and off the uh, cooler uh, sound, which was pretty chilly. And you get maybe a little bit more wind on the edges. So we start the race. We get a pretty decent start. And then uh, we didn't know which way to go. So we figured, well, why reinvent the wheel? We'll just uh, go the way that uh, Bob and, and uh, the locals we were, are going. We did have the three-time uh, world uh, champion and two uh, uh, star world champion and also an Olympic Medal winner in in, uh, in the fleet, so we figured. Well, he he must know this area. Three time six meter world champion. So when he tack, we tack, and then if Bob Kentrell tack, we tack, and then uh, the other couple of good guys. Basically, when we were in the lead, we didn't really worry too much about where to go. When the wind was spotty, try chasing the wind. Well, there's a little wind over there. By the time you got there, the wind was gone. So it was more uh, generally tactical that you had to go the right way with the tide and the, 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 with the current being such as it was and the wind off the shore. So by uh, a bit of good sailing and a bit of luck, we win the first race. Gosh, how nice that is. And uh, so while we're sitting there uh, patting ourselves on the back, race committee is ready to start the second race. So no time between the races. And it's just a little horn. If we had sailed very far away, we would have been uh, looking pretty silly because it would have been easy to get too far from the race committee boat in the light air and miss the start. So the second race goes uh, similar to the first. We uh, we got a good again a good start and went the right way. And guess what? We won the race again. So now we have started the series. I'm telling the guys jokingly, as the saying goes, if you don't uh, win the first race. You can't win them all. So now I say, well, if you can't win the first and second race, you can't win them all. 
So sounding a little bit cocky, I think, was a bad thing to do because the third race, we were having a lot of trouble keeping these guys uh, behind. The uh, world champion, uh, uh, Eric, uh, was wanting to pass us to Leward and Bob Cantrell wanting to pass us to Weather. So I was kind of holding off Bob by sailing and pinching a little high and holding him back. But in the meantime, Eric sailing through to Leward. I got Chris Grenard yelling at me that, you donkey, you don't know how to sail the buoys to Leward. And so I, I, it was very frustrating. So I, I figured, well, I'll just drive off over the top of uh, of Eric, the world champion, and uh, slow him down. I'll go around the mark in front of him. So while I'm watching him, you know, he's not very far away. He's like three, four feet away. I'm trying to get on his wind and slow him down. That was one of my first uh, real eye-opener about how these boats are different than anything else. Boy, you don't just stop them. They, they're a lead mine, and they have a lot of carry, a lot of momentum on, on their boat. So I'm all over Eric, the world champion. But he, he's still coming. I can't, I can't stop him. He's going to have an inside overlap on me at the buoy. So I'm watching him, trying not to hit him. And so guess what? I hit the buoy. Yep, like a real wanker. Uh, very disgusting with myself. I still am. So I hit the buoy, and our boat, it doesn't turn it's, it, with a big rudder on the back of the keel, uh, but it's not that, not that big. It's very difficult to, to turn. And as you, know, you all know the rules, if you hit the buoy, you have to sail clear of the fleet and uh, do your 360. So I'm just I'm trying to steer clear of the fleet. They put their spinnakers up. They're on both sides of me. I can't turn. I'm going. I, I'm going downwind with no spinnaker, and they're all going by like crazy. Uh, the, the whole fleet. So finally, we able to do our 360. We put our spinnaker up. I'm, oh, there goes the regatta. I mean, ridiculous. What an idiot I am. But uh, we managed to uh, pick a few boats off here and there. And at the last weather mark. Uh, going to the finish, we jibed, uh, made a jibe set. The others kept going, and we laid the buoy and uh, moved up to fifth place. But it wasn't pretty for a while. So after three races, we have uh, two, two firsts and a fifth. And we're not quite as cocky anymore. Like Maybe there's a little more to this than we thought. So the, uh, uh, the, the race committee, we thought, well, we're going in. They have our three races. But no. This is the nicest day they've ever had in Seattle. Like six knots of wind, clear skies, 70-degree weather. We're going to get some more races in. So they uh, managed to keep, just make uh, the – just kept us out there, kept going. So we have uh, two more races, a total of five races the first day. So the next two races, we got a uh, second and a third. So we have a pretty good score. We have uh, two firsts. Uh, second, third, and fifth after five races. But Bob uh, Cantrell, with his new modern, is uh, still two points ahead of us. So we're in second place with uh, the next day to go. We don't even know if we'll be able to race the next day. Light wins. Who, who knows what will happen? And we're two points behind. So we encouraging the race committee to start the races. So we tow out there. It was a pretty nice day, similar to the uh, the day before. And to uh, make a, a long story short, after a uh, very tough battle, we uh, managed to uh, win the race uh, number six. Bob is second, 
So now we're one point behind. And whoever basically beats who the next race will win the the series. (coughs) Uh, Excuse me. We'll win the series. So it wasn't really classic match race because it wasn't the wasn't that kind of a situation in the big fleet like that. You can't, you still have to uh, get a good score. So we, we we get off the line, not the best start we ever had. And Bob's very fast. And to make a long story short, he uh, beats us to the uh, weather mark. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we're in trouble here because uh, he's quite a long ways ahead. But the moderns aren't as fast downwind as, as they are upwind. So we managed to claw back a little bit. And uh, catch up with him, and once we got ahead with him, we made sure that he never uh, had much clear air and went on to uh, get a second in that race, and we drove him back to fifth place, so we ended up winning the series by uh, two points clear. We didn't need our tiebreaker with uh, three three firsts, so three firsts, two seconds, a third, and a fifth was uh, good enough to win the series. So we all thought, wow, this is nice and revalidate our player's card, and we had a good time, all the best of friends. That's what really made it worthwhile was uh, being with each other and renewing some old friendships. And to uh, win the regatta, that was just the uh, uh, topping on the uh, the dessert. So the, my take back on, on uh, this regatta was, boy, if you're uh, a little early and you want to luff up to slow down, don't count on that because these boats don't slow down. If you're coming on the weather end and you love to weather of the boat, you're not going to have any room to get back to the starting line because you're going to be going downwind. So tremendous carry in the boat. The other thing that I'm pretty sure we did wrong was we were used to having boats where if the mainsail's luffing going upwind, just to flatten it out a little bit. And so that's why we used our mass puller. But and I didn't realize what these big overlapping Genoa's, like a 12-meter, I, I guess for sure the main's going to laugh a little bit because it's going to be uh, backwinded. So we took the luff out of our sail, and I think along with that went our power because when uh, Bob and the other fast boats were around, they were just going through the water so much faster than we were. And when we tried to match their angle, let our sails out a little bit, maybe the main was over-trimmed, and uh, maybe the jib was in too tight, not enough head stay sag. We just could not go through the water as fast as they were. So the only way we could uh, stay near them on VMG was to be a little bit higher. And I think it was because our sails were too flat. So we're going to have to speed up if we're going to win the worlds. We're going to have to figure out how we can sag our uh, head stay a little bit like on an Etchell's without uh, all the draft being in the front of the sails. Because in these new modern black sailed uh, from north, we we used to be – Ullman, when the boat came, but I'm sailing with Eric Doyle, you can't have uh, Ullman sails. He's north. He's the star of north. So we got some new north sails, and they're that new black, uh, looks like carbon sails. If you let the head stay sag on this stiff sail, all the draft's right up in the front of the sail. So we have to have another look at our older sails and see if they might not be better in light air. Or if you, had, you use the head stay, the sail will get a little fuller with with the draft uh, further back off the head stay. And we better figure out how to get our main fuller and live with that backwind so that we can go through the water faster because we have a real speed, a real speed problem. 
And then the next thing is we better figure out how to go downwind with a bigger sail, pull that pole back and go straight at the buoy. When we tried that with our sails, it just wasn't working. We couldn't even hardly get our sails to stay full. So we have to study their technique and uh, their downwind uh, uh, setup to speed up downwind. So we have a lot of work to do if we're going to be competitive at the world championships. And so I'm hoping that uh, you'll be able to uh, follow along as uh, we, we race the middle of September against some of the world's best sailors. Uh, Ron Holland will be there. The King of Spain will be there with uh, Ross McDonald, the, uh, the legend star sailor from Vancouver, crewing for uh, Ross. And uh, I, I think that uh, with the help of Eric Doyle, a world-class sailor, and, of course, uh, Al Pluskis and Pete Burton have been in a team for 35, 40 years at the San Diego Yacht Club. And Bill Trinkle, my trusted uh, friend from Five America's Cups, is a, be a big plus. And I, I'm hoping that somehow we'll be competitive and uh, have a chance to win the Worlds. In the meantime, we did win this uh, Lipton Cup. In Seattle, there's another Lipton Cup similar to the Lipton Cup in San Diego. It even looks the same. So it, is, it resides at the Seattle Yacht Club, even though we were racing uh, at the Port Madison Yacht Club. And so with the help of Molly, I said, well, you know, when you win the Lipton Cup in San Diego, you get to take possession for a year, just like the America's Cup. She said, oh, well, this cup never left the Seattle Yacht Club. It always stays no matter who wins. And I said, well, Molly, your dad, Commodore of the Yacht Club, you've you got to do some of your juice and see what you can do about letting – the trophy come to San Diego because think how much fun that would be to have uh, the Seattle Lipton Cup sitting next to the San Diego Lipton Cup side by side. Two sisters probably never met. And so Molly is going to uh, work on this idea with the uh, Seattle Yacht Club. So maybe you all uh, live in San Diego, just come down to the club and see both of these trophies together. So that, that's a wrap now on the uh, Lipton Cup, the uh, pre-worlds at the six meters. And your friend and uh, uh, podcaster from Specialty Produce will be coming to you uh, with an uh, update a little later on this regatta. So I hope you enjoyed a little something different from the America's Cup. And we'll, we'll talk about some other things here, uh, sailing and life-related. So thanks for tuning in. And that's it for now. It's a wrap with Dennis Connor. <laughs> <laughs>